Welcome to Trash Compactor. I'm Josh, still celebrating Star Wars Podcast Day 2023 with another special episode outside our regular season. Though the actual Star Wars Podcast Day was February 7th. Happy birthday again, Dad. They're celebrating the whole week, so we're doing another installment. And it's a special one because not only am I joined today by Bracey. Hello. I'm also thrilled to welcome a returning guest, the host of the award-winning Apple New and Noteworthy podcast, Proud Stutter, Maya Chupkov. Maya, welcome back to Trash Compactor. Hello. Happy to be here again. Yeah, we're really psyched to have you. Regular listeners of the show might remember Maya from the the episode we did on stuttering and media and podcasting, Trash Compactor episode 23. Um, and in that episode, uh, Maya, you mentioned you were not a Star Wars fan, right? Well, I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan. I just hadn't ever watched Star Wars. It was just always something that was over there. <laughs> um, no, I know, yeah. Yeah. So, but you did say that you were curious to get into it uh, because I forget how you put it exactly, but like you felt like like it was the kind of thing you would you would get into. Yeah, I'm like a huge nerd when it comes to like fantasy and sci-fi, but sometimes it takes me a while to get really deep in the, the lore. And so, like with Game of Thrones, it took me a while with lord of the rings i was really young when it came out and i was scared of it and then i got into that and so star wars it was just something i never thought i'd get into and then i watched andor and everything changed you mentioned you had watched maybe you had watched um episode one at some point in your life i did but it was very like it was just kind of, it wasn't a very, um, I wasn't all there. I was kind of just like, oh, okay, it's on. Like, I'll just watch it, I guess. No, yeah, no, that's not, uh, you don't have to explain not <laughs> being drawn into Star Wars from from episode one. Um, but as someone who was like not super into Star Wars, beyond just sort of like the ambient awareness of it, what did you make of Andor? I loved it like I feel like I loved the it was just such a good show like even beyond Star Wars just the characters and the message and how all these different arcs of the season connected together but they they were also like their own mini um, seasons too I just yeah, I loved everything about it. Like when it, there's a good show, it's hard to not love it. So and it was my favorite show because every year I do like a top 10 shows because I love TV and Andor was number one. And people were like, what's Andor? Like, what? Why is it your number one? And I was just like, you're just going to have to watch it. It's so good. So, yeah. Yeah, because I saw when you tweeted that your top 10 lists of shows and I saw that that was number one and that made me very happy. Uh, <laughs> and as uh, Bracey will attest to, like one of the things about Andor that we have have been discussing, like in the context of, you know, also being Star Wars fans, you know, I think we occupy an interesting space where like we are Star Wars fans, but we are also just you know appreciators of film and tv in general so what was is super interesting is that like 
this is the first piece of Star Wars media, I think, possibly since the original movie or maybe Mandalorian that like is like just on its own merits, aside from its association with a larger fandom or a larger lore, is just like fantastic top to bottom TV. It's like whether it's the writing or the story or the structure of that story or the the way it's shot, like, you know, it's just really, really good. And it kind of puts us in a weird spot because like one of the things that at least I struggle with is like the question arises, like, is it too good to be Star Wars in a weird way? Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, Bracey, what do you think about about that? Yeah, what I really appreciate that show uh, is that it it dares to invest in the characters and it dares to invest and take the time uh, uh, to invest in the environment and the context so you can really over time um uh, appreciate the 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 bigger movements that happen in the show um which i feel like happens every three episodes like the, like there are kind of these mini arcs that are happening uh, that lead to the grander uh arc over the course of the entire show and i just love that they dared to do that like that they because it's not uh what i feel like is the standard where you like you're you're expect you need oh you need some kind of fireworks like every every episode something needs to go happen like the big bad or whatever the case may be like they actually take the time to be like hey these first few episodes like you may not understand why you're watching this show but you'll definitely understand by episode six and by episode 12 like you'll be freaking out i'm sure <laughs> I don't know. um yeah yeah well well out of curiosity my like so when when andor premiered they released the first three episodes you know at the same time i think probably uh, because of what bracy just said and like you said like the structure of the season was there were really these like three or four episode mini story arcs and i think you know the beginning of it was s- sort of a slow process of setting up the world and you know moving the pieces into place and i'm wondering as someone who was not invested going in how many episodes did it take for the show to really like get its hooks in you so i went into andor already knowing it was getting good reviews even from people that weren't necessarily star wars fans so i went into it kind of Kind of knowing that I'd enjoy it. Like, I'm the type of TV watcher where, like, I kind of finish shows even if I'm not, like, in love with it. I just kind of like to to, to uh, f- finish shows. So I knew I'd at least finish it. But the, the moment I was intr- introduced to B2 Emo, I think is the name. Yeah. I was sold. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I love this robot so much. And yeah, so after being introduced to, and I think that was really early. Yeah. That was, that was the first episode. Yeah, it's definitely in the first episode. I was yeah. stole. I was like, as long as B2 was in this show, I'm all in. So then, so then you must have loved, I think it was like toward the end of the season when um, the Fiona Shaw character 
has passed away and uh he's all he's all emo about it for lack of a better of a better of a better <laughs> word like like so 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 droids are a thing in Star Wars and like you know usually they use how a character treats droids as sort of a comment on like whether like this is a good character or a bad character it's like you know like if they take the time uh, to treat a droid with a modicum of respect or like with some consideration for their quote unquote feelings but that said like i was shocked how how affected i was by his grieving process for that character like one of the things that the show does so well is that they take star wars tropes and do like the most amazing version of it that I've ever seen, which is just like, again, it's just, I mean, I guess it's not, it's not really a, a mystery. It's just like a really well-written, well-acted, well-everything show. I think that's yeah. really all it comes down to. Yeah, I had my defenses up when I first saw the droid because uh, I, I, you know, I, I've, se- we've, I've seen so many droids and so many versions by this point after seeing so many... Uh, uh, different Star Wars properties, and um, I oh it getting peed on in the beginning, and then shocking them. I was like, are they going for like a, a kind of R two D two kind of thing here? Like, what's what's the what's the deal? And so my my defenses were up, but uh, uh by half I'd say like halfway through the series, I was like, oh, this character's brilliant. Like this character's like they they did a really good job. Like especially me going back and starting to watch the episodes again for the podcast. Um, I, I realized that like, oh no, they're actually developing a character here and, and like, they're taking the time for, for us to care about this, uh, of this little droid, which is fantastic. And then it, it really pays off towards the end, uh, in that moment that you were talking about, Josh. Yeah. The saddest, one of the saddest moments was when, when, one of the, um, I forgot what it was, but like one of the enemy people like pushes B2 while what's her name was giving her speech. Marva. Yeah. Marva. Yeah. The and I was show. just like, I got so like mad at that. I was like, no, not beats. Like, yeah, that was, that stuck with me. You actually also, you pointed this out to me, Maya, like not to make this whole conversation about this, but you mentioned that, uh, uh, B2 had a stutter when he was on low power. Oh, I didn't realize it was when he was on low power. I thought it was just all the time. Maybe it was all the time. I'm not sure. But um, one of the striking things about Andor, and that uh, you also mentioned this to Maya, was the way that it renders this world and this conflict, like there are so many different threads, like so many different stories going on that each depict different parts of a larger struggle. And like, you know, Maya, I know that you're interested in political action and building movements. And I think this show was really striking in how, you know, usually in something like Star Wars, where it's like ostensibly a fight against a tyrannic empire or whatever, you know, they really focus on the like handful of larger than life heroes at the center of the action. And like, you know, what these individuals do will determine the fate of the galaxy or whatever. But what is so, I think refreshing about Andor is that it uses that same sci-fi fantasy setting and that same conflict, but it's really multifaceted in how it depicts all the 
different components and concerns and figures that make a movement. And, you know, Maya, I don't know, like your sort of ambient familiarity with like Star Wars as like a cultural object, but like it's like about, you know, heroes and good guys and bad guys. And like, it's really about the individual story against like the the backdrop of the larger story and sort of everything kind of revolves around what they do. And I just thought that this show really gave you the bird's eye view or like a more like global view of what was going on sort of at every level, like whether it was like the real dyed in the wool revolutionaries or the politicians who have to follow certain decorum or the people like Andor who were just like, I mean, at the beginning of the show, when we meet him, like, I don't think he really gives a shit about fighting for freedom or fighting for for principle. I think he's just, you know, trying to get through his day. And I think that's one of the really fascinating things about the show is that like the guy at the center, you know, he's not and I don't mean this in like a negative sense, but like he's not special. He's just a guy. Yeah. And um, well, I guess like what do you think of Cassian as a character? Yeah, I I loved just like his transformation of like him just doing things just so he could survive and like took things it seemed like day by day and he had his like core people that he like loved and was trying to protect and that's it like he didn't care about this like larger purpose like he only um saw that um and then I think by the end, you know, there's all these like little pieces that just add up. And like one of them in particular is the um, is the manifest uh, is Nemec's manifesto and like how that kind of ends up being because I I. How I how I watched Andor is I would um, li- listen to like a recap of it afterwards where they kind of c- connect it to like other Star Wars things. So I c- kind of learned about oh, the world as I went. And so I know this manifesto ends up being like the manifesto for the revolution, is it called? Or the revolt? I don't know. The rebellion or the rebel The, the rebellion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I I just thought it was really cool to just kind of see how all these things added up to where at the end it was like, you know, like he wasn't able to like protect Marva, for example. And so he really took what she said to heart about joining the rebellion and then him joining it. And so, yeah, and and they definitely spoiled a lot of stuff for me, just stuff that happens in the, the, the future. But I don't mind that because this is a this is supposed to be an additive thing where um, you already know what's going to happen. Yeah, no, no, totally. Like, like, I find that to be very interesting um, because I watch shows in a similar way, like like especially when it's something that has kind of an established lore you know sometimes i want to watch the thing so i can read about the thing i, I had a question on that uh because i was curious like uh when you were watching the episode um 
uh, did you feel like you needed more context or that you were missing out or did you generally you you felt pretty solid? Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't really mind that I didn't know. Like I felt like I wasn't missing anything while I was watching Andor. And what was great about these recap. Well, there's one in the Ringer podcast. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with them. Oh, my God. So they helped me just kind of recap the episode and then they would like also talk about things that happened in other Star Wars. And so I felt like I was connecting the dots I was going and it just made me um, like I think it would have been just as enjoyable if I didn't have the recaps, but it just added another layer of like, oh, my gosh, like it, it was kind of like seeing it in a new light after watching it the first time. That's awesome. By the end, uh, like the post credit scene, they have like this big reveal. Um, uh, uh, did that mean anything to you when you watched it? Like, did it feel like a bump, bump, bump? They were showing that uh, the thing that they had been working on in the prison camp was actually part of uh, this like, oh, wait. satellite array. I didn't see that. Oh, oh that, well, oh. I ruined that. Then I'm, there's a post credit scene, and uh, yeah, I recommend you go episode. check it out. I'm curious to hear what you think about it. Um, what? How did I not know about this? <laughs> I, well, I don't know. So that actually is very interesting. And I don't think it matters if you see it or not. I think like that's the most directly connected to the rest of Star Wars mythos, which is why it's like a post credit scene, because it's not at all integral to understanding anything you have just seen. So from listening to the Ringer recaps, like you probably know that that this whole series is kind of a spinoff of a spinoff. It's like from Rogue One, this movie that came out in 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 2016 that ends like, you know, 30 seconds before the original Star Wars from 1977. And this series is sort of a prequel to that. So it's actually now that I'm saying it, it's like a really unusual way to tell a story. It's like a it's like a prequel to a prequel to um, and none of them were the Star Wars prequels. These two prequels that we're talking about. The um, and before that and before that, it's like, that's <laughs> yeah. No, uh, but I'm wondering if you um, have thought about watching Rogue One or if you're going to wait until the second season of Andor is done. Yeah, I keep going back and forth about that. Um, I'm not very compelled to watch Ro Rogue One right now. <laughs> um, not that I don't want to. I just don't have that like urge yet. Um, but what was helpful, What one of the things that stuck out to me in the recap was learning that Caspian does eventually die because of something around the he was like trying to do something for the rebellion mm -hmm. and we're introduced to him as like very like jaded and like really like uh not jaded but just like very rough around the edges i guess and so that was really interesting to kind of think of him in the the future like after like years of being in this rebellion, I'm sure it's like weighs a lot on you. Um, but yes, but I think because I've I'm a big pa Pedro pa Pascal fan who I've been watching The Last of Us. And so that is making me want to watch Mandalorian now. <laughs>
So that might be my next Star Wars venture. No, yeah, I would. I mean, you know, I think Mandalorian, like its tone and its vibe, I think is much closer to what most of Star Wars is like. Would you agree with that, Bracey? Yeah, yeah. It's more of a spaghetti Western kind of feeling meets, meets Star Wars universe, I feel. Yeah, but it's also, it's just like, it's a little more, um, you know, what's the word? It's like, it's closer to the star, the original Star Wars vibe by far yes. than, than right, yeah, the Andor. yeah, by by far. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would hold off on watching Rogue One if you don't have a burning desire to go out and watch it immediately, because I mean, like you kind of intuited, like it really doesn't matter whether you know what happens later or not. Like, so basically, how it's going to work is, unfortunately, there's only going to be one more season of Andor, and that from everything that the creators have said will lead like right into Rogue One, the movie, which leads right into the original <laughs> Star Wars. So so if you're game, I would love for this to be kind of a long term project where we check in with you. Yeah. You know, and we get your point of view as someone who, you know, again, has no real investment in Star Wars that exists already. I because like, I mean, again, like I love Andor so much that it's really great that someone that is not already invested in star wars like feels the same about this show because it just like i think it just speaks for itself yeah and it made me it made me tap into like other things that i had that i wasn't planning on watching like after i watched andor or like as i was watching andor I was like, oh, I need to watch Rings of Power and I need to watch um, the Game of Thrones, Thrones. House of Dra Dragons. Right, yeah, House of Dragons. Yeah. And now I'm reading the Lord of the Rings books, which I never thought I'd ever read. And so I'm like, Andor really made me like want to just like go nerd out on like fantasy and sci-fi stuff. Um, and I think also just listening to the Ringer really helps you like you're watching the the show on your own and then you have these friends who are like helping you through like the lore and like stuff you may not know like the the last of us is a perfect example never saw the or n i never played the game but i'm able to watch the show without having that and then they have folks that have played the game kind of talk about that so it's just it's great just just sinking your teeth into these worlds, I guess, in that way. What do you think that is? Because I have that same, you know, desire, like for context and for learning about stuff. Like, what do you think that is? Like, you know, it kind of strikes me that this is a way of watching TV that I think is relatively new. Like, I don't really know of any other TV shows in history where it's like, okay, you watch it and then you immediately like go to some other group of commentators to like learn how it connects to larger lore or something. I mean, I mean, it's a whole new way of like engaging with media, right? It feels like uh, what they were trying to push when transmedia was like a big, it was like the buzzword for television. I've been thinking about that for weeks. Like it's like, you know, transmedia was like a big thing like 10 years ago. Yeah, but it couldn't it couldn't grow like it couldn't they, they were trying to force it somehow and it just never 
it never happened. And it sounds like it just organically grew into that. Yeah. So Maya, I don't know if you ever heard of the term transmedia storytelling, but like a decade ago, it was like the next big thing. It was like a buzzword. It's essentially like the story happens in many different mediums and they all kind of inform and like feed each other so like you would make a show but it would also be a video game and what happened in the video game would matter to what happens in the show and then what happens in the show would also be in a series of novels or comics and it would all sort of like all tie together but with that it was like trying to create it from zero see it seems like it's happening organically now where it's like these things exist already we're doing this thing and it just so happens to connect with all these other things it seems like it seems like that's what's going on no but yeah i've been thinking of transmedia for like the last month or so especially because transmedia the term has very different connotations i think now than it did mm. even a decade ago yeah we're dating ourselves with that term now no i know it's just like how could you even say the term transmedia and not think that it had something to do with like media created by trans people yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i think never hearing that but that concept before i feel like it failed because i think with people they like with people consuming content they like to be in control and so like someone might be really into tv shows but not into to reading and they don't, don't want to feel bad for like not consuming everything like for me i will never play last of us i just not that i'm against video games i just know it will consume my life and i just don't have time <laughs> so um it's nice to be able to like still consume media and then having this other podcast just like fill it in for me without having to make that big investment that makes sense totally. no completely no and i think that that also you know it kind of has to do with this other thing i find really fascinating or i guess ironic maybe is that tony gilroy the creator showrunner of andor he similarly was not at all invested in star wars or like the star wars mythology and he only really got excited about it when he realized the potential to tell a really unique and interesting story about revolution without having to worry about the connotation that it would have by having it happen in the real world. It's like, that's the reason the show is so good, because I think he was like, no, 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 like there's a story that I care about that I want to tell not for the sake of Star Wars. It's like, here's an opportunity to do something that I think, you know, is something I can really sink my teeth into and gets me excited that just so happens to have an opportunity to be told in this fictional context. Kind of on that that note, we had a, a little bit of a back and forth on our first Andor um, a podcast about the character of Cassian when you're first introduced in the very first kind of um her fluffle that he, he 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 gets into. Uh uh I'm very curious what uh what is your take on uh the introduction to that character? How do you feel that he falls on the moral spectrum when you're first introduced? Um yeah, and I what I really liked about this show is like it's very clear, like yeah, my first intro introduction to 
Cassian was that he wasn't a good guy. <laughs> uh, but I really liked how the show really um, it's they don't really have clear cut like you're a villain, you're a hero. Like even Luthen, who's like this person that's supposed to be, you know, for the this this greater purpose to overthrow this evil empire he had some very villain vibes sometimes and so and then i think um even with like the guy in the prison that we meet like he when we first meet him what what's his name uh the head uh, of kino kino loy yeah like he he gives off very villain vibes at first and then he ends up being like the friend and like helping everyone escape so i loved how andor was so like they really showed that no one is really purely evil or purely good it's like we're all we all have some bad and good in us Mm -hmm. yeah i mean to kind of expand on that i think what i got out of the show was that a lot of what we do, we do in response to like the larger institutional systems that we are embedded in. So if like, you know, circumstances are such that in order to save myself, like I have to shoot a security guard in cold blood or like if I'm Luthen, where like, you know, he has that phenomenal speech or soliloquy, if you want to call it that, where he's like, what have I sacrificed? Peace of mind, like, you know, joy, happiness. It's like, you know, all that stuff. Like he realized that someone has to do something about this horrible empire that is, you know, choking the the galaxy. And he was like, well, in order to do that, he has to do some really bad things. And it is really interesting, like with a character like Luthen doing these things, I think, takes a toll on him um, that he recognizes, whereas a character like, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name, the overzealous security guy at the beginning who has to go home to his mommy. Cyril? Cyril, yeah. Um, you know, whereas Cyril, like he's he's subject to the same forces and he's operating, he's he's doing uh, you know, what's in his interest. Uh, but like it's like I feel like Cyril, you know, while he has aspects about him that you might have some 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 sympathy for, it's like I can't help but feel like he's he's just not a good dude. <laughs> like like so so it's interesting, like like you're right the show blurs the lines or it's like at least saying that things aren't so clear cut. But I, I think it is saying it's in response to the systems of power that exist. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like, you know, we have like a window, like we see like the political stuff. We see like the shady stuff. We, we see like the underworld stuff. And then we see like, I don't know. I think, I I think ultimately that's what, to me makes the show so fantastic is that it is trying to expose that it is about the systems at play it is not about a a a good and bad like that what is like real evil exists in the systems not in the people um even even if it is some real evil characters that have like built the system but like the way that the system is really the the evil is really pervasive in this galaxy is that the system is perpetuating the the exploitation of everything it's just exploiting 
planets, creatures, humans, aliens, resources, everything. Yeah, and like the Dedra Miro uh, character, for example, like the ISB agent, uh, like in those scenes where like she's in the the Empire's like Secret Service or whatever, it's like you find yourself kind of rooting for her because like she seems like she's at least I think she's like the lone woman who's on that that like that inner circle or whatever and like there's this pervading sense of workplace sexism there and you're like really rooting for her and then you realize wait a second like she's fucking evil i mean she's really she's really a terrible terrible person and it's so interesting like if the empire wasn't running things what would she be doing who would she be yeah that's that's a good that's a good question i but i also love that that like uh, how they are showing the sexism, uh, uh, the oppression within the systems of oppression, um, because there are so many layers to it. And also, I think it's fa- fantastic that uh, her foil in in the Empire is a, 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 a black man. So it's this woman and this black man that are going uh, fighting each other for for just like to be one up. But in in total, they are both answering to a white man in a system that is like you know and there's these subtle little things that i feel like they're putting in there that like or it, it's just I, I think it's very poetic and, and really really well crafted and um yeah yeah I, I just really appreciate these little things that if you don't know to look for it it's just going to go right by you but if you're paying attention there's uh yeah there's some there's some messages hidden in these small choices that they i'm curious maya What's the storyline that intrigues you the most or that you're most invested in? If I had to pick one, I would say Mon Mothma just because like I just I I I know eventually what happens, I think, to her, like on a very like not a detailed, but I know that she ends up being one of the leaders of the. um, But yeah, I'm just curious how she continues to navigate her very sketchy place in all of this, um, like risky place in all of this. She she's in with her husband and what happens with her daughter and all that. I'm just really excited for that. No, totally. Like that stuff I thought was like really like I mean, really what it what it boils down to, her storyline is like trying to maintain a public persona that everything is above board. And then behind the scenes, she's really like the money person. Yeah. Um, you know, which I just find so fascinating that like, that's an aspect of, you know, movements and revolution that usually not really dramatized. It's usually kind of skipped over, I guess, seems like one of the less flashy, least sexy things to depict in terms of drama. But like, usually in a show like this where there are like multiple story threads like there's one or two where i'm like you know when it shows up it's like okay well that's when like i get up to refill my my drink or like i get up and go to the bathroom or something and i'm like okay like back to this but like this show is the rare exception where like every time we cut to another character or another storyline like i was just as invested as the rest of the stuff. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. I forgot about this. Like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. And Mon Mothma's really surprised me, like, how they were able to make the, like, very delicate dance that she's doing just as dramatic as all of the, like, heist, blowing up, prison break, 
fireworks stuff like i was like you know like especially in the last or second to last episode of the season where like she realizes what the cost is going to be for her Mm -hmm. whoa dude like like that was some real edge of your seat stuff and i was like really i mean again it just comes down to phenomenal writing phenomenal performances it's just like it's just so good it's just... it was it was the part of the star wars universe i didn't think i was interested like as a lo- lifelong fan it wasn't something i ever thought i'd be interested in and if you wrote that like a summary on paper and showed it to me and be like would you watch this show i'd be like no it's all right but like actually having seen it i'm like you could watch you like they could make a whole show just on that aspect of the universe as long as they treat it with the same um, uh, care and development that they had, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm there for it. I want to see the whole thing. West Wing in Star Wars. That's fantastic. That's a sign me up. Yeah, and I wouldn't have <laughs> probably watched Andor if it wasn't for Josh. So thank you, Josh. <laughs> oh well, I mean, I thank them for making this amazing show. But um, no, I was so happy when I saw you tweeted out your your top 10 list of shows for 2022 and Andor was at the top. I was like, yes, I didn't. I, I, she watched <laughs> I it and she it. liked it. That's, that's good. Um, so Maya, will you rejoin us for season two and share your thoughts on where the show goes? I would love to. I'm probably going to be watching Mandalorian though in b- between. So, okay. Yeah. Well then, well, let me know um, if you want to come on and talk about that, because I would love I would love to hear what you think of Mandalorian and what the impression you have of Star Wars after watching Andor and then Mandalorian. I'd be yeah, super I'm very curious. curious about the contrast, how you feel about the contrast between those shows. OK, cool. Well, just also really quickly, like so you sort of watched episode one at some point in your life, right? Yeah, it was. Episode, it was like the oldest one. Yeah, episode, no. It was, yeah, episode one. So just out of curiosity, like, does it compute for you that, like, that movie and this show are in the same, yeah. I am like, For our listeners, she's shaking her head. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? This is the same IP? (laughs) Yeah, it's like very, it's very different. Yeah, so that said, like, I think, you know, Mando is closer to the general vibe of what most Star Wars is, as we said. But, I mean, that said, it's like, it's, I mean, that's also a very good show. Um We'd love to have you back on if you are if you are a minimal. But Maya, where can people find you and your amazing podcast, Proud Stutter? So you can find me on all the podcast listening apps. Just type in Proud Stutter. I'm also at proudstutter.com. That's where you can find like everything. I'm on social media, TikTok a little here and there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Maya, for uh, for joining us on Trash Compactor to talk Star Wars. Not the beat you cover, but I'm glad that I'm glad I that love you it. Are. I love yeah. I loved nerding out with you guys because no one else <laughs> I can do this with. So it's just so fun. <laughs> well, we will definitely have you back. But um, thanks for listening and happy Star Wars podcast day or podcast week, as it were. And um, please do check out Maya's wonderful podcast, Proud Stutter. And transcripts of this episode and all of the other Trash Compactor episodes are available at TrashCompod.com. And we are TrashCompod across all social media. Thank you again to Bracey and Maya for joining us today. And we will see you on the next one.